disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected woman, a person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. Hey sis, welcome back to Black Girl SOS. It's your girl Snobby. And today I want to talk about the blessing of no. So actually, before we get into that, um, since I decided that I was going to do this week's podcast totally over just to address things that, you know, landed on my heart in the last couple of days, we are going to go ahead and uh, take a moment of silence for Reverend C.T. Vivian and for Representative John Lewis, two iconic civil rights fighters um, who we lost yesterday. So yesterday was heavy, losing two iconic um, civil rights activists is is a huge deal. Uh, RBG is fighting cancer. The Supreme Court is saying fuck our civil rights. And it's, it's just a lot going to fuck on right now. So I am going to like beat y'all in the head ad nauseum with the importance of registering the vote, the importance of educating yourself on what's on your ballot, um, getting your ballot early, asking for that mail-in ballot, making sure that you fill out the census as it's a a redistricting year. There's just so much going on and I I just uh, feel an obligation to make sure that I am a constant (laughs) nag, if you will, to make sure that we all do our part, to make sure that this platform is more substantive than um, than performative. Um, that being said, the reason why I changed this week's topic and in very last minute, I am literally recording this right before I'm going to release it, um, which is why I have on a head wrap because I went for a run today and I forgot to put sunscreen on my face, which is you know crazy because I take really good care of my skin. But um, yeah, now my forehead is feeling like <laughs> like little kids in the summer with oranges, and um, you know, just the skin is just trying to leave my forehead, and uh, it's not a sexy look. So <laughs> I didn't want anyone to have to endure that along with me. So get into the hair wraps, love. Um, But the thing that uh, made me want to re-record this is this week, my special was on a panel for her job. And one of the things that they were talking about was, you know, that a no doesn't have to defeat you. That you, you know, that a no could be something that you bounce back from, that a closed door is probably another door opening. And I think that we all know that. Or, or many of us know that. I don't think that we all always adhere to it. Um, and I'm super guilty of it. I am someone who, like one of my mantras is, I always get what I want because I don't stop until I have what I want. And that sometimes causes me to force a no into a yes. 
And that no is probably a no for a good reason. And, and I can look back on many of instances where I have forced to be a yes. And, it, and honestly, it delayed me getting to the next step in the progression that I was looking for, um, that I felt was meant for me. And it's, it was just a reminder that we have to remember that the no, that there's a blessing in the no. There's an absolute blessing in the no. I wholly believe that the universe conspires for all of us to win. Like, that's my belief. I, you cannot tell me otherwise. I do not think that we were put on this earth to lose. I don't think that we were given these dreams and these passions and, and given this drive to not succeed. I don't believe that. Nobody can ever convince me of that. And so I always have to have these conversations with myself. If you truly believe the universe is set up for you to win, why would that no be anything but a blessing? That no has to be a blessing. And just because it doesn't look like what you think it's supposed to look like or what you envisioned it to look like doesn't mean that that no is in any way a slight towards you or, or that no is um, indicative of you not working hard enough or you not being persistent enough or you not having enough drive. It's not any of that. That no is probably a door that is closing for a reason. It is probably so that you will realign yourself to where you need to go because you might be walking in the wrong direction. You may have set out on the right path and then that path may have changed for you. You know, something you did may have fast forwarded your path or maybe it delayed your path and that no is there for a reason. I always say, um, one of the many things I always say, I have a lot of sayings, I talk to myself often um, because I like intelligent conversation. So. <laughs> So I talk to myself often, and um, one of the things that I always say to myself is, God will fast forward your blessing, if that's for you. And if God is not who you believe in, you know, with whomever or whatever spiritual entity, deity, whatever, even if you are atheist and you just believe in yourself, input whatever, you know, whatever you need to put in there to make it applicable to your beliefs, and, and your belief system. Um, but for me, I am a firm believer that God will fast forward your blessings. Like whatever's for you, it's for you. It cannot be derailed. It can't be derailed. You're the only one that can mess that up. No one else on the outside can derail that. No one else on the outside can derail that. So if it's your time, if you've been doing the work, for you, it might seem like I have this long way to go and you can blink and God will fast forward all these blessings to you. So many things will come into play, but a lot of that has to do with knowing when the no is a blessing. The no is not always no. I hope that makes sense. I can see how it can be confusing even though to me it makes absolute sense. Um, but it makes sense to me because I have these talks with myself often. You know how they say addicts are never recovered addicts. They are recovering addicts for the rest of their lives. Well, I'm addicted to yes. I'm addicted to getting my way. So I'm in constant recovery. <laughs> I'm in constant recovery from understanding that the yes is not always going to look like a yes. The yes is not always going to sound like a yes. Sometimes the yes is in the no. Sometimes the yes is going to be in the trials and the tribulations. 
sometimes, you know, the yes is going to be in the hard fought battles that you feel like, well, shit, I just fought one battle. Why the hell I got to fight another one? Like I earned a reprieve. And that your yes might be in fighting that battle. It might be setting you up for such larger things. Um, for a long time, people were pressing me to start a podcast. A long time, probably even before I wanted a podcast, people were pressing me to start a podcast. And I don't do shit I don't want to do. I got a funny story about that uh, that I'll share another time. But I don't do anything I don't want to do. Um, you know, as long as I'm of sound mind and body, I don't do anything I want to do. And so other people wanting me to start a podcast didn't mean shit to me. Like, I'm not going to do it because you want, you want me to do it. But other people saw these larger, you know, they saw this larger vision of what the podcast could grow into. And that's why they were pushing me and pushing me to start it. But I sit in my seat and I know myself well. And one of the many reasons I did not want to start a podcast um, when everybody else was kind of forcing, forcing their, <laughs> their ambition for me on me is because I know my t I know my temperament and I know my mouth. I'm witty, I'm funny, and I clap back like a fucking veteran. So I did not want to enter a space of public opinion because I don't give a fuck about public opinion, right? <laughs> I don't care about your opinion. And I knew that then I I wasn't going to be someone that was creating a space of everyone being able to have their opinion and everyone being able to voice their opinion and people not feeling like, you know, every engagement with me was combative because I'm, you know, snapping off at them. And also I didn't want to enter a space where people were trolling me because I'm a motherfucking troll. <laughs> you troll me? We gonna engage, you know, I get into the shits with you and it exerts so much energy and I already knew that about myself. So it's just one of those things that I absolutely did not want to do, did not want to engage in. And a lot of that about me has changed and has evolved the way I enter conversations, my intent when I'm having a conversation. So much of that has evolved and changed that I finally felt like, you know what, I am in a space where one, I do want a podcast, two, I want to I want to create conversations that that encourage different opinions that encourage you know unpopular opinions that encourage us to you know not be a monolith not be a monolith I want to be a part of starting that I want to be a part of facilitating that and now I'm in a space where I feel like I can effectuate that as opposed to just you know being being a participant in the argument I can be a facilitator of a conversation and and that was, a, and, and that was in essence a no, you know, people were presenting opportunities to me to do this, to do that. Um, and I was just like, I'm not interested. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to do this. No, thank you. No, thank you. And even though that's a no that I imposed on myself, very obviously it's a no that I also had imposed on, you know, my, on the universe's plans for me. And it was a no that was necessary because it was a no that got me to the right point of a yes. I could have very easily said a yes then and, you know, flew up the handle and said some crazy shit and really just painted a, a narrative of myself that is not indicative of who I really am, um, you know, just because that's just kind of the way I engaged back then. 
Um, and I don't engage like that now. I engage from a completely different space. So, you know, the no is going to come in various ways. Sometimes you're going to be the no. You're, and that has to be okay. You have to just learn to see what the blessing is. And nine times out of 10, if we're keeping it a buck, you're not going to see what that blessing is until after the fact. Like hindsight is a rude 2020 bitch. So if you ignore the no, sis is going to drag you. <laughs> if it's a no that you really needed to embrace, sis will drag you. Case in point, um, my first semester of my LLM program, I... Um, I passed on my classes, but I was really struggling to adjust, um, not just to the curriculum, but I was struggling to adjust to my environment. I, I was in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, there was a Confederate flag directly across the street from where I live. Um, there were several Confederate flags along my run route. I had a lot of racist ass students that I dealt with. I was a graduate assistant. Um, when I was in my LLM program. And I also worked at the low-income tax clinic in Kansas City. And I had a lot of racist clients that I dealt with. I mean, I had a motherfucker come in and tell me. And at this time, I am the senior person in, in the clinic. The only two people in the clinic that are senior to me are the actual two attorneys. But I was the only one with a JD in the clinic. The only one. And, you know, I had a motherfucker tell me, like, nah, you can't help me, sir. <laughs> First of all, you're the one that needs help, motherfucker. Like, lest we forget. So don't tell me I can't help you. I'm clearly competent, clearly qualified. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. And my supervising attorneys wouldn't have assigned me to this case if they thought I couldn't handle it. Um, and so it was just a lot of adjusting. You know, I'm, I'm from New York City. I'm from the Bronx. I went. And at this point, I was coming directly from an HBCU. I went to an HBCU law school, FAMU, Radland Nation. Um, so I was, I was moving my life from Orlando, Florida at an HBCU to middle America along the Bible Belt, Confederate flags, and a lot of motherfuckers trying my Bronx ass all the motherfucking time. And I hadn't passed the bar yet, so that was weighing heavy on me. Um, I was in this city alone, which, you know, it's not the worst thing, especially for somebody like me. That that really isn't something that weighs heavy on me, being in a city alone, like living anywhere where I don't know anybody. Because I, I meet people very easily. Um, so it wasn't so much that I was in the city alone, but it was the way this city was set up. The city was draining me, and the city was really putting me in a place that I was going to lose let me tell you something. I almost didn't get this bar card, y'all. Okay, I really almost did not. I had a um, I had a housemate at the time who was a lot younger than me, and her friends were racist as fuck. They wrote a lot of racist shit about me on Facebook, um, so that caused a lot of animosity in my living space because I did not let that shit slide at the fuck all. Um, you know, down the line, me and Emma spoke those things out. We're in a good place. And, you know, even now we're in a good place. So, Emma, if you happen to be listening, hey, girl, hey. Um, but, you know, I was just in this environment that was not constructed for my win. But I was so focused on what I had already envisioned. And here's what I had already envisioned. When I got accepted to my program, I also got an H&R Block Fellowship. And I had worked for H&R Block for many years, many, many years I had worked for H&R Block. 
Um, and HR Black Board headquarters is in Kansas City. So in my mind, the pieces are finally starting to fall together. I wanted an international taxation job with H&R Block at World Headquarters. Like everything in my mind, these things are, you know, are happening the way I envisioned it. Now, here's one thing we all need to remember. When we envision our life, we envision our life as if we're sitting in the audience watching it play out. We often forget nothing looks the same from the inside out. <laughs> so while my plan is one I envisioned and saw from front row, <laughs> from courtside, um, the way it's going to play out, I'm going to be viewing it from behind, you know what I'm saying, from behind the scenes. It's a BTS, and it's not going to look the same. And, you know, we often forget that, and that also plays into us, you know, not knowing when to respect and know as a blessing. So back to the story, I am, you know, on, in my mind, I'm on par to nail the life that I set out to nail. Like when I left Buffalo for law school, this is, this was the plan and things are going according to plan. And I'm really, I'm feeling really good. And then I get there and it feels like everything is against me but I am not willing to concede. I'm not willing to acknowledge that. I already told you, I get whatever I want because I won't stop working until I have what I want. So Kansas City giving me this really negative energy, this really negative experience. Um, it's just, I'm not being thwarted by it. Like I'm not letting this shit shake me. I'm just like, yo, I'm from the Bronx. I don't give a fuck about nothing y'all talking about. I came for what's mine and I'm leaving with what's mine. Like I'm, nobody's gonna stop me from getting mine and that's that and that's my whole attitude and i'm not realizing that if you really believe the universe conspires for you to win and you feel like this is an overwhelming amount of you know conspiracy to lose then maybe this ain't it you know maybe the universe brought you here to show you you can have it in a different way this that you planned out is not for you so end of my first semester, um, like I said, I'm struggling to adjust. I pass all my classes um, and I sit with my advisor who I, I love this guy. He was also from the Northeast and he was a Red Sox fan. He was a Patriots fan. And so, you know, we would just talk shit all the time. He was my, um, he was my corporate tax professor. We would talk so much shit all the time. I remember when, when the Yankees, uh, <laughs> when the Yankees won and I bought him a Yankees t-shirt. <laughs> I told y'all I'm a fucking troll. So, um, um, he did call on me a lot that day, but I came to class prepared because I knew that I was setting myself up for the bullshit. Um, but he sat down and he talked to me and he was just like, you know, you passed all your classes, but you're not like doing as well as I think you should be doing in your classes. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Shit, world rocked. And I was like, okay, like, what, what do you think I should do? He's like, well, maybe you need to like drop one of the extra things you're doing. Like, what all do you have on your plate? So I was like, well, you know, I got my full course load. Um, I got you know, my graduate assistantship, I got the tax clinic, and I have my job at H&R Block. At this point, my job had started at the end of the first semester. And uh, he's like, that's a lot 
to be doing while in an LLM program. And he wasn't wrong. He was absolutely correct. And anyone who has any advanced degree in tax, you know that <laughs> you don't really got time for a lot of extra shit because tax is a very complex, very convoluted, very dense topic. And he was like, you know, you probably should drop one of them. And I was like, well, I honestly, I don't have the space to drop anything. I said, I can't drop my graduate assistantship. It's part of, you know, it's the, that's partially paying my tuition. Um, so I, I got to go to my GA spot. Like, that's not, that's a non-negotiable. I, I can't quit this job at H&R Block. I was like, because this is how I'm paying the difference in my tuition. This is also how I'm eating, you know? This is, like, literally my survival money. Like, this is how I'm getting through. I'm, I'm broke. I'm literally fucking poor. I just <laughs> did three years of law school. I took the bar. I failed the bars. I had to pay to take that shit again. Oh, and that was the other thing on my plate. So I had a full course load. A GA, I had a graduate assistantship. I was in, I was working in a tax clinic. I was working at HR Block and I was studying for the February bar. And I was not doing a good job at stu studying for the February bar because of everything I just mentioned. And obviously I wasn't doing that great a job in my classes as I thought, um, as I learned in this conversation. And so he's just like, you know, you have too much on your plate. This is too much, you know. He said, I honestly think you should withdraw from the program or you need to drop something you need to drop something. And I, you know, I explained, like I just said, I can't drop anything. I need all these things. All these things make me able to be in this program. And that's another conversation for another day about how fucked up America is, that we have such barriers to higher education, even when we're academically qualified. Um, but we'll get into that another day, for sure. Um, but I was just like, you know, I can't stay enrolled without all these other things going on. And I was like, and I don't want to not take the bar because I had only failed the bar by one and a half points, you know? So truth be told, I was a little cocky about it. I didn't really study as I should have studied for it um, because I'd only failed by one and a half points. I'm like, shit, you already know what you need to know, sis. You almost passed. Well, what Monica, no, wasn't Monica, it was Brandy. Almost doesn't count, sis. Like, you still don't have no goddamn attorney because you're still being with that bitch. So I had so much on my plate and he was telling me, you know, either drop some things or withdraw. And all I could hear him saying was no. That's all I heard. I heard no, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And in truth, he was really trying to, he was trying to help me pivot and set me up for success, but that's not what I heard. I heard no. Remember, I told you, sometimes the no you hear is going to be the no you tell yourself. It's not always the outside no. Sometimes the no you hear is the no you tell yourself. So I did not listen. I did not listen. I did not listen at all. And the next semester rolls around, uh, full course load. I actually am working more hours now at H&R Block because they said we can start getting overtime and i'm like oh yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> i need the money so i am i mean i'm literally working until the last bus is leaving um downtown kansas city by the power and light district to take that bus all the way back out to umkc i am working until i have just enough time to run up the hill and catch that bus when am i studying what am I studying? I still had a graduate assistantship and I still was in a clinic. 
I was still in the clinic. I had to finish up whatever cases I still have for my tax clinic. But now I was in the estate clinic. So now all of my clients um, are, are, you know, wills, estates, and trusts. And, and that's very time consuming also. It's extremely time consuming. And honestly, it's a little more hand-holding than the, than the income tax clinic. Because at that point, those people are already in, you know, a difficult situation. And they're just, a, you know, they just want help. They just want help. But estate planning is, is, it's a little more delicate. First of all, you're talking about someone no longer being with us. You're talking about blended families. You're talking about people writing, intentionally writing kids out their will. You know, it's a lot of delicate topics and shit like that. So it's very much more time consuming. Um, I had older clients and they require, you know, much more patience. And, and care and concern. You never want to, you know, just be an asshole when you're dealing with people with estate law. Um, so it just, it was adding to how much less I had <laughs> to invest in my education. So now full course load, GA, residual tax clinic, estate clinic, and I'm working not 40 hours, but I'm working in the overtime at H&R Block because I'm trying to get all this money. Y'all, that I passed these classes was God's grace and mercy. God's grace and mercy. I passed all my classes, but I needed to take one over because my grade wasn't high enough to get conferred. So I said, I'm not staying here an extra semester. Is this class offered in the summer? Because if it's offered in the summer, I'll take it in the summer. <laughs> what are we talking about? I was like, also, if I wait a whole nother semester, that's like a whole full round of tuition. Like, bro, I'm not trying to do all that. Like, I'm not staying in Kansas City. I'm not paying for housing here. I'm not trying to do this. Now, remember, coming here was a part of the plan. I wanted to be by H&R Block for headquarters. I wanted to work in international tax at H&R Block. These are all the things I wanted. And now I can't get out of here fast enough. So now I need to take this class over or I need to talk my way out of having to take this class over. Clearly I'm trying to do the latter, but let me run it back a little bit. So now during this whole time, remember I'm working at H&R Block. I am working on the international tax team. There is literally only, honestly, I only remember two black people being on, you know, our whole tax team period. And then the two of us were on the sub-international tax team. Um, my boy, Terrence, who is my accountability partner that I mentioned in the very first episode of uh, Black Girl SOS. And, you know, so we're, we're on this tax team and not for nothing, I find myself second guessing myself. Like, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing, but I'm second guessing myself all the fucking time. I'm getting negative feedback from my manager. And I'm just like, yo, what the fuck is going on, bro? Like, Nufo, who this? Because this ain't me. And um, I remember I met with my manager once. Nice guy. Young guy, too. I, we probably were close in age. But I met with my manager once. And he was just like, yo, what's going on? He's like, you're really smart. And you know it. He was like, we talked. Like we talk tax all the time. So I know that, you know, like you've been doing taxes for years. So, you know, the application, he's like, what's going on? Like, you know, when you write up these memos and, and, you know, they're not like <laughs> the math ain't math. And I was like, I'm gonna keep it a buck. 
have no idea what the fuck is going on. Obviously, like I said, hindsight's a rude bitch. I can see why everything was, you know, discombobulated and my thought process wasn't as thorough as it would normally be. I had too much on my plate. I was doing too much. And when someone was trying to tell me that, I didn't hear help. I heard no. I heard no. I heard no. And had I listened to him, had I saw that no as the blessing, then I would have stepped back. I would have done a lot of things differently. Um, I really just, I would have made a lot of different decisions that would have put me in a position to have my degree conferred. So my transcript shows that I completed my program, but they will not confirm my degree because I'm not taking this class over. Like I was like, I'm not taking that class over. Like for what? I passed this bitch. I'm not sitting for it again because I have to pay for it again. It's not free. Remember, this is how I got in the situation to begin with. School isn't free. I got a partial scholarship. Some of that, like I, my GA ship paid, my graduate assistant ship paid some of it. I got a partial scholarship. I had to make up the difference. I had to make up the difference. And yeah, I took out student loans, but that's because I also had to cover my housing. Like, <laughs> I had to cover all these fucking fees that come with being a student. You can't be a student and not have health care. All this shit, you know, all, all these moving parts that were happening. And if I could have just acknowledged that no as a blessing, in truth, I would have left Kansas City a lot sooner. I probably would have left after my first semester. I would have come back to Florida immediately. I probably would have just took time off to do nothing but work and study for the bar. That's all I would have done. And it's what I should have done. But my ego, my plan, you know, all these things were in the way and it delayed my progress. Now delayed, not denied, but it delayed my progress. And, and you know what? When I got back to New York City, because I went back to New York City after Kansas City, and um, I think I was back home maybe two, three weeks. I got the call I've been waiting for. I got the call I've been waiting for. The call that I set out to get when I left Buffalo in 2008 is the call I got. They offered me a full-time job on the international tax team at H&R Block World Headquarters. And I said, is there any way this job can be remote? And they said, absolutely not. You have to work in the office. And I said, I am so grateful for the opportunity, but I'm going to have to respectfully decline. I couldn't even believe I heard that shit come out of my mouth. Cause y'all, I hadn't passed the fucking bar yet. I failed it again that February. Why did I fail it? Cause we already covered it. I didn't have any fucking time to do any real studying. I was too busy focused on the plan. I was, I was focused on effectuating what I envisioned instead of understanding that there's more than one way to get there, understanding that these no's that I'm hearing are not people or not people telling me that I can't do it. It's not me telling me that I can't do it. It is the universe trying to show me that there's a different path, that there's a different door open for you to get there more efficiently, more effectively in a way that's gonna be more conducive to your spirit. Woo, y'all, when I tell you, 2012 was a lesson and it, and you know and it took me a very long time to realize 
that lesson. A very, very, very long time to be able to check my ego and, and sit back and really look back on the way uh, 2011, 2012 played out and, and, and how I could have really positioned myself differently and, and, and moved my life forward probably in the time frame that I wanted to move it forward, you know, and just acknowledging that the no, that there was a blessing in the no. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I'm a recovering <laughs> yes addict. I'm a recovering, I gotta have it my way addict, you know, Backstreet Boys, stay playing in my head. <laughs> so, because I'm a recovering yes addict and I'm a recovering, uh, I have to have it my way addict. I often have to sit back and reflect on shit that's happened. I often have to have these conversations with myself, especially when I find myself in positions where I feel like, yo, a lot of shit is conspiring against me. Why is that? Like, who's hating? Who's burning candles? Because I'll go real brujita in a minute, okay? Bruja gang, yo, we be out here. So, you know, I, I have to sit down, evaluate, take my ego out of stuff, see if the no is a blessing. And and it's a it's a it was a very hard lesson learned. It's one that I, I have to keep learning. And it's one that I just I don't think that I'm alone in. So I appreciate that that came up on the conversation. Um because it gave me an opportunity to just kind of share my story and kind of expound on it. And hopefully, I hope that that helps somebody else learn to see the blessing in a no. And I think that every no and, you know, every closed door is a missed opportunity or, or somebody hating on you and all that other shit. Because it's not always that. It's very often not that. Sometimes it's just the no you need to get to the yes you deserve. Sis, I hope that you have a fantastic Saturday. And until next time, you have a good one.